Welcome to TNT with Teresa Quinlan and Reese Thomas. We are friends from across the pond on a life evolution. We want to bring you topics that challenge your status quo, guests that help you think differently, and nuggets of wisdom that spark being. Being what? You. Authentic you. Today we welcome Heather Rendelik. Heather wants to live in a world where everyone feels empowered when they face life's challenges. She knows how hard life can get. As a young stroke and brain surgery survivor, she learned the tools needed to become an overcomer. When she's not working as a human resources professional, Heather is sharing her message of hope as a motivational speaker, mentor, and sharing the art of finding beauty in the chaos. What a beautiful sentiment, beauty in the chaos. Welcome to TNT, Heather, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. It's a great pleasure. We're Reese and I are both really interested in hearing your story. I think it's a timeless message and I think it's something that everyone needs to hear regardless of what their experience is and especially at this time there will be threads of this that everyone can relate to and I think you know really excited to hear about the heart set the mindset and, and that overcomer mentality so um, <clears throat> over to you. Yeah, let's just kick it off. Let's like dig into our passion and our obsession. So yours around motivating people through a message of hope and finding the beauty and chaos comes from somewhere. And this is where you get to share with us your story, which of course influenced or had a big part in how you named your book. Thank you, Teresa. When I was 22 years old, I had a random brain hemorrhage. I was a college student and this came out of left field because I was perfectly healthy. I was diagnosed then with a very rare brain condition called cavernous angioma or cavernous malformation. And basically what it is, is it's a lesion or a tumor made up of really weak blood vessels. And I had this lesion on my right thalamus, which is on top of the brain stem. So it's very deep in the brain. I was told that the only known cure at this time for these lesions is brain surgery to remove them. However, mine was so deep, they said it was inoperable. It'd be too dangerous to do the surgery. They didn't want to touch it. And there's no known treatment right now. So they said, just try to avoid blood thinners and just live your life. Hopefully it won't bleed again. And I went back to school and after the diagnosis, it was really hard because not knowing a treatment that I could do to prevent this from happening again, I felt like I had like a ticking time bomb in my head. It could go mm -hmm. off at any moment. We had no idea what caused it to bleed the first time. So I just felt like my life was out of my hands. It was like out of control. And I really struggled with that for a while, but I then learned to just take it day by day and do, you know, what I could, which I knew, okay, avoid blood thinners. So don't be taking Advil or stuff like that. And don't be drinking a lot of alcohol. And I just tried to be as healthy as I could. Unfortunately, my lesion ended up bleeding five times over the next 11 months. And the fifth and final hemorrhage actually was a massive stroke and paralyzed the whole left side of my body. I found myself as a 23-year-old in the hospital in an ICU fighting for my life. And at that point, they said they had to remove the lesion because it was going to kill me if they kept it because it was so aggressive. So I did have a nine-hour craniotomy and they did remove the lesion in its entirety. 
And I then started my journey of regaining my independence and fighting every day through my recovery of all the stroke deficits I had. So I did relearn how to walk. Uh, It took almost a year, but I did relearn how to do that. And I took a semester off of college, but I did go back and I finished with my bachelor's degree. I work full-time in human resources. I wrote a book about my journey and here I am today. Wow, so much there to unpick. I guess the first point is, you know, something like that happens to you at such a young age. They tell you that, you know, we can't do anything. You just have to kind of live your life carefully. Don't do this. Don't try that. We don't really know why it happened. All of that must have had huge impact on you at any age, but let alone that age in that kind of formative stage of your life. The, the fear, I guess, as there's was as there's five stages of grief, isn't it? The Kubler-Ross thing, you know, denial and anger and de- depression and acceptance kind of thing. Did can you tell us a little bit about how you dealt with that kind of message like, and how you built up that courage to, to face that uncertainty, I guess, you know? I mean, Well, absolutely. So I think we, my, the whole message of my book and my story is we all face hard times. That's inevitable. And we can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we react to them. So when I first was diagnosed and I felt like everything was out of my control, I did go through, you know, a loss. I I was grieving the loss of my life prior to this diagnosis of I'm a young college student. I have so many opportunities at my fingertips. I have my whole life to look forward to, to getting diagnosed with this medical condition that could potentially take my life. It could, you know, give, cause me to have a permanent disability. We don't know. And I, did eventually I had to learn to accept my reality. And I think that's really a first step um, for a lot of the challenges we face is to accept the reality of the situation. I'm not saying accept that it's fair because you know this was not fair. This was completely unfair for me because like I said, I was healthy, you know, I think I'm a good person. And you know, it was I'm not, you're just accepting that this is my truth. This is my reality. And you can grieve that you can be upset that this, you know, is unfortunate. This is not what I had planned. But then you learn to adapt, you learn to overcome that situation, because you accepted that it's real. Mm, So beautiful. I had a friend because she has passed since who really appreciated the most in her journey. Uh, She had cancer that returned multiple times over that she had people in her life that were willing to have those conversations with her that were willing to be in the space for her to say, this is hard. This is terrible. I don't want to die for her to cry, to validate her emotions and let her talk about the worst case scenario, the things that she was most afraid of the truth of her experience. Who were those people for you that provided that space for you? That was my family, um, my fiance at the time. I really relied on them. I also have a very strong faith in God. And so that really helped me through a lot. And I, it, it was hard. I mean, this, I hit rock bottom before I got to this point. I actually contemplated suicide at one point and because I felt like my life was over I felt like 
you know, all that plan I had, everything I was aspiring to, it, that dream was just gone. And it just looked bleak and dark. And, you know, I hit, I hit rock bottom and I'm not saying everybody has to do that, but for me, that was my journey. And, you know, like Teresa said, I think it's very important that you have that support group somebody you can just voice your feelings to. And it's good, it's, it's healthy to talk about that stuff. I mean, some people say, oh, I shouldn't think about the worst or no, it's, if that's what you're feeling, that's perfectly healthy and that might be what you need to do. Mm-hmm. So true, yeah, it's always good to have someone to, uh, to lean on, but also someone to support you. I think um, for me, when we're talking about this, we, like, Teresa already mentioned before we hit record, like this idea of, this mindset this overcoming mindset but I want to turn it a different way I want to talk about your heart set because I think that you have all these these negative feelings and it's obviously natural and everyone has that same experience where they think the worst and then they get drawn into that dark space but then on a flip side of that is kind of like as you said um, if you're a religious person then you kind of have this kind of second wind if you like this this second opportunity especially after you've gone through the surgeries and you you would uh, found a cure if you like if that's the right word to say and then um he kind of flipped all those kind of negative things that were uh, typical in that sort of scenario um and you you change it and you would you were grateful for things you start you you forgive yourself you were able to see the beauty in the chaos as you as you put it and can you tell us a bit about how how you were able to to, to flip that heart set i i think because I was able to accept my reality and I knew going into the brain surgery, I knew they weren't going to fix me being paralyzed. You know, it was, they were removing the lesion. And I think I did see this as a second opportunity to retake my life. And what I really looked at Reese was, I really looked at what was in my control. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't change what happened yesterday when I had this massive stroke And I couldn't go back and change that. But what was in my control today was I'm going to take my reality and I'm going to make the best of it. So I could work very hard at my, you know, physical therapy, rehab, all that stuff and try and regain my independence. And then where the mindset comes in is, and I like the heart set. I like that. Um, But where that comes in is you have to believe that it's going to happen. You have to be able to visualize your goals. And a a perfect example and a story I'll tell is uh, going into the brain surgery, I knew as soon as I woke up, I'm gonna start fighting to get, you know, learn how to walk again, to regain my independence. And it's gonna, I believed in my mind it was going to happen. And when I was waking up from surgery, I was in recovery, you know, I'm all groggy from the anesthesia. And I'm slowly waking up and my family is surrounding my bedside. And I wake up to my sister just sobbing. And because, you know, I had tubes and all these machines and, you know, to see a loved one in that state was extremely traumatic for her, but she's crying. And I looked at her and I said, stop your crying. I'll be dancing at your wedding. (laughs) And I sure enough, about a year later, I was so... I, but again, that helped me so much just visualizing my hard work and efforts and what that was going to look like in the future. And it might be, a, and that helps you keep you motivated as well. 
Have you seen the Chris Norton story? It's on Netflix. So he's an American football player, was a football player. And in college, his first year of college, he got hit. So he had a spinal injury that basically severed his spine on the field. So he's completely paralyzed in an instant. He talks so much about mindset and visualization. He also talked about like the reality of this sucks. And you have those moments through tremendous obstacles that you need to overcome. But visualization was an incredibly powerful part of reconnecting neurological pathways to allow a finger to move, a toe to move, um, to feel anything below his neck. And it's incredible because he did walk like seven yards down the aisle when he got married. And it was an against all odds kind of mentality. And so I'm wondering your thoughts on an against all odds mentality, if like what happens in that space when you're trying so hard to move a finger and nothing happens? I, nothing is impossible. I, you know, doctors didn't, I wasn't, it wasn't like out of question that I would walk again, but the doctors specifically told me they didn't know if I would walk again. It wasn't like a for sure thing. Oh, we think you're going to recover just fine. And and still to this day, you know, I'm struggling with some uh, left-sided paralysis a little bit on my left arm and hand. Um, I have some use, but not much, but it, nothing is impossible. And I want people to realize that it, only you set, the, you set the parameters on what's possible and what's impossible. And I truly believe the mind and body are connected in ways that we can't even begin to understand. But I just like that story of the football player, I mean, visualizing yourself doing something and using that, you it's only going to help motivate you it's going to help connect the body to knowing what you are striving for it to do Hmm. perfect okay so before we hit record you 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 described to us some rather groundbreaking uh unbelievable therapy and treatment that you've been having recently um and hopefully we'll get to that in a second but i wanted to tell us a little bit about the treatment and the therapy that you've undertaken you mentioned a bit there about the, the wonderful things that mind and body can do. Um, you obviously went through all the, the, the typical Western medicine um, solutions. And at first they said, oh, there's nothing we can do. We can't help. And then obviously things change. I wondered if there were other things that you've, you've, implored, you've explored, other treatments, because that, you know there are many people who have this extending on that visualization idea, this kind of belief and this kind of um, some other something else that they tap into that allows them to have these kind of breakthroughs that maybe modern science says are not possible and then heaven believe that there are all these other uh, examples and stories that come through or i don't know we don't know what it is and some people will say it's a miracle some people will say uh, i don't know what they still don't know but a lot of hard work yeah hard work (laughs) um is can you tell us a bit about that kind of thing and and maybe lead us to that amazing story you told us before that we hit record (laughs) Yes. So I was, uh, I spent a couple months in a inpatient rehab facility and did the typical physical therapy, occupational therapy, and which was extremely useful because they did, especially occupational therapy. I, when I was able to um, start walking a little bit with maybe a cane or something, I still had this left arm and hand um 
paralysis and they helped me learn ways to dress myself, ways to bathe, ways to just live, you know, and I, I joke about it saying I live one handed in a two handed world because there are a lot of things you need two hands for that we don't realize every day, but you know, it was great. And I did, there was um, a massage therapist that one of my physical therapists connected me with who actually did a lot of work on my left side. And it, this would be kind of not what the doctors would recommend, but I truly believe it helped a lot because I still have full feeling on my left side. So even when I was completely paralyzed and I think feeling like her massaging certain muscles, I think getting some blood flow helped with the connecting with my brain to these muscle groups. And, you know, it was, I also got like, when I was in the therapy, I was getting a lot of like muscle problems just from atrophy and, you know, wear and tear from trying to use them again and sometimes not in the most proper ways, but um, I really accredit that. And so I, people, you need, you are your best advocate and, you know, sometimes just talking to people like my physical therapist, I was shocked to, you know, recommended me to this massage therapist who was out of, she was not with the group he worked with, but somebody, a friend he knew you know, it's all about networking, talking with people, joining support groups. You might get tips. I've heard great. I never personally did it, but I heard great things about like acupuncture, um, stuff like that. For me, like I've talked a little bit already about is, you know, my religion. So praying, you know, that sort of thing, which, you know, is a lot like meditating at times and just being, um, you know, with yourself and self-aware, um, and peace of mind, that kind of thing. But then more recently, and I actually have my mom to thank about this because she saw an article, I think it was on LinkedIn or some social media site from a local university here in Pittsburgh. And it was about a clinical trial they were looking for participants in. And it was a spinal cord stimulation and it was for stroke victims. And so I read about it and I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. And I ended up reaching out to my neurosurgeon who did my brain surgery and he connected me with the person leading the trial. And we were talking, turns out I was a candidate. And so earlier this month, I became the very first person in the world to do this study. It's only been tested on monkeys. And it, what it is, is it's spinal cord stimulation. So they've been using spinal cord stimulators for decades um, for people with chronic pain, but now they're testing to see if it would help somebody who's had a stroke and has like an arm or hand uh, weakness. And that was me. And I got the stimulator, stimulator placed on May 7th. And here we are on May 25th. So I'm a couple weeks in. And with the stimulation on, um, I was able on the very first day, actually, they turned it on, I was able to open my um, affected hand for the first time in almost a decade. So the stimulation has been amazing. Um, it's coming to an end here in the next week or so. So I'm a little sad about that, but I'm really hoping this helps so many other people in the future. And so that's, I'm encouraging people, medicine, 
like the technology and the adva medical advancements that they're discovering, it's just beginning. Like, I feel like we are going to see an era of just extreme, like, you know, innovation and opportunity to help people. And so I encourage people to have hope no matter what they're facing. Two questions. One, yeah. when you <laughs> opened, when you opened your hand, what happened? Um, I, well, I, they turned the simulation on and asked me to open my hand and I did it. I can send you the video. Um, but it's, did I, you cry? I did you, oh, cry? I did you cried. high five oh. yourself? Like, what did, like, I'm like, what did you do when you opened your hand? <laughs> oh, sobbed like a baby. And my mom was there crying. Cause she was a part of my, she walked with me through my recovery and still is to this day. And she was crying. Even the people of the research team were crying and they don't, they barely know me. So oh, that's amazing. Second question. The primary title of your book is headstrong. And sometimes we think stubborn. <laughs> and as we're listening to your story, uh, I want to know what does headstrong really mean to you? It's all about mindset. It's all about facing things with this mentality of overcoming no, ma no matter what adversity you're facing and you're going to um, adapt to whatever situation life throws your way and you're going to come out even stronger. This might, you know, I, I talk about in the book about viewing, changing our mindset when we face challenges to look at it more as an opportunity. Like this is an opportunity for me to get stronger, to um, maybe learn something, to help other people, and just to face everything with this headstrong attitude. And maybe stubborn could fall into it a little bit. Um, my husband would say that's a perfect description <laughs> of me, but um, no, just to be just that strong mindset. Yeah, I think it's the difference between I will knowing even if I can't. Yes. Because yet, because I can learn somewhere in between there, the can part, but I'm all, I've already decided I will. Exactly, mm. exactly. Okay, so you mentioned hope there, you mentioned about kind of um, motivation, you mentioned about using this experience, this story to help others. I know that's something that kind of, you know, going full circle here, that is now a big part of what you do, I'm sure is tied to the book. Can you tell us a bit about um, that? that work that you're doing now to share this message and, and, and what it means to you and, and why? Yes, yeah, so now I'm doing a lot of inspirational and motivational speaking uh, for various groups, organizations, and right now it's virtual with COVID, but uh, there are some that are doing in person again, but virtual, I mean, now with Zoom, it makes it pretty easy to do it from anywhere. And it means everything to me. This writing the book, doing the public speaking has all given what I went through such purpose. It has given me such a positive place to put it. Mm -hmm. And like I said in the beginning, everybody goes through hard times. I mean, especially now, not only, you know, in, in the United States, but in the whole world, there is so much going on that people need hope. They need they need to understand how sh that they are stronger than they believe. And 
we, I, for me to get the opportunity to share my message of hope is just, it's, uh, I'm entirely grateful and I'm going to get emotional, but it, it's, it's amazing. And I am so thankful. Wonderful. Let's we um, make our uh, mess, our message. Yes. Yeah. Turning fantastic. a mess into a message. I love it. Yeah. It's fantastic. There is a phrase that comes to mind, which having gone through my own struggles and suffering, kind of thing, suffering is grace. And I know that it's not necessarily something that everyone will accept or something that isn't something that's obvious in the beginning, but having gone through the journey myself, I can see that and appreciate that. And hearing you talk about this new um, calling and purpose that you found because of that and all the steps that you've gone through led you to be able to do this in such a way, your unique way and your message, which is so needed for everyone else to hear. So that idea reminds me of a, uh tibetan buddhist sort of saying that you know i hope uh, please please grant me enough suffering that my heart will open um so that i can you know feel that true compassion and then you know use that to help other people in, in the community so that's something that really came to mind when i hear that but i know we're running out of time here i know we need to um <clears throat> need to go but uh, what we like to do here is ask our guests if they would share with us one kind of um a golden nugget a phrase something that our listeners can go our our raison d'etre is to really kind of get people to go from thinking about doing something differently to doing something differently and then being differently and you know you've clearly done all of those things and much more so is there something a last message a word something that you haven't shared that you would like to just impart for our our listeners who maybe can help them take those first steps who maybe they're right at the beginning of your story and they need to hear a, a word of uh, encouragement or whatever it might be absolutely so um i talked a little bit about when i was first diagnosed how crushed I was because this was not how I planned my life to go. Well, that happens to, I think everybody at least a couple of times along the way that we have a plan and then something happens and gets interrupted or it completely changes course. And, and that's, you know, the truth about life. But what I want the listeners to know is, you know, you have that plan, something happens and it might be absolutely horrible, but you can always improvise, adapt, and overcome. So those are my three steps is you improvise, you adapt, and then you overcome. And you kind of have to do it in that order, but, um, and, and to view it, like I said, just a little bit ago as an opportunity, you know, this is an opportunity. Um, what can you do today that is going to get you just a little bit closer to your goal? You can't, you don't have to see the entire path because not many of us can. All you need to see is your next step. Beautiful, perfect, yes. All right, so how can people find out more about you, Heather? How can they find it? Where can they buy your book? Where can they hear about where you'll be talking next? How can people connect with you? Uh, so um, my book is being sold everywhere books are sold amazon you name it um my the best place the easiest way to go is for both of those things to get in contact and buy my book is my website which is heatherheadstrong.com i uh, there's a link to go to the amazon site to buy the book um it's also on um they have it on audible now so there's an um, audio book, which I know some people prefer that. I, I'm still the old school holding a book, but you know, everybody has their way. But 
Uh, and there's also a contact page on my website that goes directly to me. But if one of your listeners wants to just skip all that and go directly to my inbox, my email is heather at heatherheadstrong.com. Perfect. And we'll make sure we include all of that in the show notes. Um, have to ask who's doing your, who does the Audible? Did you do it yourself? Or does some, is there a big famous celebrity who's doing? Um, I, I wish, but no, <laughs> it was not me. They, oh. they had a, um, it was very interesting. I got to listen to some samples and then I got to pick the person, which the first couple they sent me, I was a little nervous because the voices, they were a little scary, like a little to like not like I wanted somebody to sound well first actually I initially wanted somebody who was British but um I just had that vision in my head but we ended up no she does she does an amazing job and I've had fam friends and family tell me that it actually sounds a little bit like me so cool all right well we like to finish up our uh, our conversations every time with our rapid fire Q&A five questions uh, whatever's on your heart if it's just a one word thing if it's a whole story it's all it's all cool um are you ready I, i'm a little nervous but yes good that's the best place to be um <laughs> uh, number one which emotion catches you off guard most often uh, anger but just because i'm not an angry person so it like if it happens, I'm like, what, what is going on? It takes a lot to get me to that point. But I've learned through years of therapy um, how to identify, you know, kind of the root cause, how to remove myself and to kind of recollect myself. Perfect. Well, I kind of answered the next question, but it was, what do you do to regulate that emotion in the moment? So share us a little bit of how you do that. So what I do when I feel it is I take a step back from whatever you know, situation I'm in, take a step back and kind of talk, have a conversation with myself about, you know, what caused this emotion and was there anything I could have done differently? If not, you know, what could I do to um, mediate the situation? Um, especially, and who, who is it directed towards? You know, family, sometimes that gets a little crazy. So if it's a family member, but you kind of handle it differently than if it's, you know, a friend, but I always like to be, I'm an honest person. I think communication is key to be honest and letting people know what they did and how it made you feel. Here, here. Wonderful. All right. Next question. I think has special, special meaning here. Um, number one, number three, what's next in your personal evolution? Wow. What's next? <laughs> I'm going to write another book. I, I actually, I'm going to call it rewritten. Uh, sorry, I have the title surprise for everybody, but it's going to be about, so headstrong was all about, you know, the life altering event that happened that completely changed my life. And then rewritten is going to be okay. After that event happened, how my life was rewritten. Mm. And what, and now with this clinical trial, I mean, I'm so excited of what could happen with that and helping other people, as well as continuing my motivational speaking. Actually, my next personal development after writing my book is I'm getting my motivational speaking business off the ground. I'm going to quit my HR job and I'm going to do that full time. TED oh, Talk, definitely. here we come. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, number four. When your best friend is having a meltdown, what do you what do you do? What do you say to them? I call them and I just talk. Actually, my friend, she's getting her master's right now to become a uh, mental health counselor. And we kind of joke every day that we're each other's counselors and we do it on a daily basis, but we talk. And if something's happening, I ask her how, how she feels, you know, when something happens and we talk about that and just give her words of encouragement and teach her how to be headstrong. Hmm. <laughs> awesome. All right. Finally, uh, in this moment, what are you most looking forward to or most hopeful for? Helping people overcome life's challenges is really, I, I want to live, like in my intro, I want to live in a world where people feel empowered and not just the people I touch, but I am hoping that my message has a trickle down effect. And so I might help Teresa and Reese and then they're going to help their friends and it's just going to trickle down and that's how we're going to change this world. There is a meditation on Insight Timer that was sent to me by a friend over the weekend. Um, it's called The Rippling Impact of Your Work. And it was so powerful, a space to simply sit in with Jeffrey Davis is the guy's name, to simply sit in that space and follow along a guided journey of think of your work and just hold that as a circle on your heart and then be in there and feel how you feel when you're doing the work that you do and how it fills you up and is so meaningful to you and now grow the circle to encompass the people you directly touch and then he took us on the journey of recognizing that each of those people in that circle has a circle Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, that's so amazing. So it's, it can be overwhelming sometimes to think of, I want to make this huge impact, but know that you don't have to do it alone because each person you touch touches many other people. And so I think your, your message is just beautiful is just speak it, speak your story. It will have its impact. You don't need to control the size of its impact. It'll happen on its own. Yeah. I recently had a woman reach out that had heard it was actually a, a sermon I was involved with at my church and it was on YouTube and she lives in California which is all the way across the country from where I am and I was just so blown away by that and so touched and encouraged you know that somebody so far away that I did not know directly but because she had said someone had referred her to this because mm. she was going through something similar and you know it was just so moving to know that you know, you have no idea who you are touching and what a beautiful thing that is. Wow, thank you so much, Heather. Such a such an empowering story, such a inspiring purpose. And, you know, I can only see great things coming from this and looking forward to see what the next book will be. Thank you so much for sharing your story with our listeners. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of TNT. Please share, subscribe, rate, and review. And when you're ready for your personal evolution, check out Reese at trueselfcoaching.com. And for your emotional intelligence revolution, check out Teresa at iqeqtq.com.